0: you so much Pastor Eric what a joy to be here at GT North and uh, I told the people in the first service I wasn't here for 20 minutes when I was bombarded by people telling me how much they love Pastor Eric and Marlene how many are thankful for the leadership God's given this church aren't they amazing I love them so much uh, they're not only great friends of ours, but we have great respect for them in their ministry and love what God's doing here at GT North. We drive by here a lot. And uh, sometimes it's like two, three in the morning if we're traveling from wherever we're coming home. Sometimes we'll drive through the night just to be on our own bed for a few days or whatever. But we just love driving by here and just looking over at this great church property and think, man, thank you, Lord, the great things you're doing at GT North. How I many of you know you're part of a growing church? Aren't you glad you're not a part of a dying church, you're part of a growing church, amen? Oh, that was a good amen. Hey, again, honor to be with you guys. I want to get right to it. Pastor Eric said the second service ends at about four, so we're going to get right to it this morning. No, he didn't. I'm only kidding. You. Just a few simple thoughts, I want to get to guys. word. this is breakthrough Sunday, and uh, we don't want to just have that by name. We want it to be by experience. But we, we don't have to walk out. Well, how was well, it was breakthrough Sunday? But that you can walk out and say Jesus Christ gave you a breakthrough in your life because God cares about you. I want to talk about that a little bit this morning morning. I'm going to go right to God's word, if that's okay, from the book of 2 Kings. I know most of you have the book of Second Kings all memorized. That's very impressive, but I don't. But 2 Kings chapter 5, uh, I'm going to begin at verse uh, number 1. Read on down through a few verses, and I'm going to speak for a couple moments about hindrances to our breakthrough. It's 2 Kings chapter 5, uh, verse number 1. Here's what the word says in a beautiful Sunday morning. and down. It goes like this. The king of Aram had great admiration for Naaman, the commander of his army, because through him the Lord had given Aram great victories. But though Naaman was a mighty warrior, he suffered from leprosy. At this time, Aramean raiders had invaded the land of Israel, and among the captives was a young girl who had been given to Naaman's wife as a maid. One day, if the girl said to her mistress, I wish my master would go see the prophet in Samaria, he would heal him of his leprosy. So Naaman told the king what the young girl from Israel had said, go visit the prophet. The king of Aram told him, I will send a letter of introduction for you to take the king of Israel. So Naaman started out uh, carrying his gifts, 750 pounds of silver, 150 pounds of gold, and 10 sets of clothing. The letter of the king of Israel said, with this letter I present my servant Naaman. name him, I want you to heal him of his leprosy. Uh, when the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes in dismay and said, am I God that I can give life and take it away? Why is this man asking me to heal someone with leprosy? I can see that he's just trying to pick a fight with me. But when Elisha, the man of God, heard with the king of Israel, uh, had heard the king of Israel torn his clothes in dismay, he sent this message to him. Why are you so upset? Send Naaman to me. And he will learn that there was a true prophet here in Israel. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and waited at the door of Elijah's house. But Elijah sent a messenger out to him with this message. Go and wash yourself seven times in the Jordan River. Then your skin will be restored and you will be healed of your leprosy. But Naaman became angry and stalked away. I thought he would certainly come out to meet me, he said. I expected him to wave his hand over the leprosy and call on the name of the Lord his God and heal me. Aren't the rivers of Damascus, the Abani, and the Farber better than any of the rivers of Israel? Why shouldn't I wash in them and be healed? So Naaman turned and went away in a rage. But his officers tried to reason with him and said, Sir, if the prophet told you something very difficult, wouldn't you have done it? So you should certainly obey him when he says simply, go and wash and be cured. So Naaman went down to the Jordan River and dipped himself seven times as the man of God instructed him. And his skin became as healthy as the skin of a young child, and he was healed. I, I want to speak again for a couple moments on hindrances to our breakthrough. I wish that Naaman could walk in the side door this morning. Uh, this guy was the commander of the army of all Assyria. If he were to walk down Main Street and down, and uh, people look and go, man, that's Naaman, that new victories with conquered armies and a uh, 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 house full of trophies, all those things. But after naming all his trophies, he was naming a man with leprosy. It's said, Greg, I'm glad this morning, I don't know if leprosy, I'm glad you don't as well, but many of us, like Naaman, have something, a comma after us that describes an area where we need a breakthrough. For Naaman, it was Naaman who uh, was a great commander, but leprosy. For you, it may be your name, but depression, or cancer, or sickness, or financial problems, or children problems, and the list goes on and on and on. And so imagine uh, Naaman's in his house one day and his wife and, and those a little servant girl. Now listen, careful. Here's a guy named Naaman. Naaman leprosy. This is the guy that needed a breakthrough. But somebody in his house had already received a breakthrough. Uh, a servant girl who was actually captured in one of Naaman's raids. Imagine it's a young teenage girl being snatched from your mother and your father. And now you're a hostage and you're working in their house. She was given the assignment of of overseeing or working alongside Naaman's wife. And one day she's in the house and maybe mopping a floor or doing some laundry, And she knows that her master's got leprosy. And she says these words. She says, if only my master... Uh, could see the prophet in Israel. I know my mouth to be healed of his leprosy. Now that's breakthrough. Here's a girl that was snatched from her family and now a hostage and and, uh, a prisoner, if you will, and she could have been angry and bitter and and so furious and and even rejoicing that the one that stole her has leprosy, but instead God gave her breakthrough. A sense of God sees me and God has not forgotten me and I'm here with a purpose. And so Naaman, the servant girl, she says, if only the, someone could take him to the prophet. And word got to Naaman about what she said. And so the king of Aram uh, heard the word of well and sent a, a letter to the king of Israel. And said, I'm sending my servant, my uh, commander Naaman, and I want you to heal him. We read it a moment ago. The king freaked out. He said, well, why am I getting this? I, I can't heal anything. Uh, why? Are the, why I, I don't have the power of life and death. And, and so the king was very upset about this. And, uh, but then Elisha caught wind of this. Elisha said, bring the man to me and he'll know there's a true prophet in all of Israel. And so imagine, the uh, uh, word comes to Naaman. Listen, you're going to go right to see the prophet. Elisha sells all these horses. He brought 10 sets. He went to Ben's warehouse. He got 10 sets of clothes. He got all kinds of groceries. He went to farmer's market, all kinds of groceries. And, and don't you love Becca's donuts? And what I'm missing? Somebody shout amen right now. When the rapture comes, I want to go up with two donuts in both hands. Come on. And so imagine, Naaman shows up at the house of Elisha. He shows up in need of a breakthrough. And so uh, imagine uh, someone knocks on the door or whatever, uh, lets Elisha know in the house, Naaman's outside, this great, powerful, respected commander. And what does Elisha do? He simply sits back in his recliner and sends out a message to Naaman. And the word goes out, a messenger comes out and says, here's the deal. The prophet says this, you go dip seven times in the Jordan and you will be healed from your leprosy you think Elisha or Naaman would have jumped and said, he freaked out and got angry. Bible says he stalked away in a rage. And this is what we see. The hindrances. is that we can sometimes struggle when we are on the brink of a breakthrough. And again, like Elisha, or like Naaman rather, everyone breathing in this house, God wants you to know your own breakthrough. But the problem sometimes isn't even with the devil. Now, we know that devils are adversary. How many of us a real devil? Come on, there's a real devil. You probably heard of that one guy going for ministry credentials years ago, and uh, they asked him all these questions about doctrine. And, uh, and then someone asked this young guy a question. He was going for ordination. They said, do you believe in a real devil? He said, I do not believe in a real devil. Their eyes went back, whatever, after more questions, and went back into a side room and said, what do you think? Is he ready for ordination? The young guy said, no way, that he doesn't believe in a real devil. The guy was doing so great, he doesn't believe the devil's real. But there was an older, respected guy in that presbytery board that said, sir, what do you think about, it? he answered all the other questions, but he doesn't believe the devil's real. What do you think? He said, no problem. This guy's gonna use this boy. I said, it's God's hand in him. I say yes for ordination. God's gonna use this young man. He said, how can you say this? He doesn't believe in a real devil. He said, boys, relax. Give him six months in the ministry. I promise you, he'll change his theology. The devil is real. Satan's out to steal and kill and destroy. But sometimes it isn't the devil. Sometimes we are our biggest enemy to ourselves. And you see that in the life of, of, of Naaman. Because when the hindrances we talk about, just simple three hindrances, that when the word came to uh, uh, Naaman to go dip in the Jordan, you see his first hindrance, he battled the spirit of disappointment. Bible tells us when the messenger came out and said, Here's what you do, you go deal with the Jordan. He was furious about this. He says, At least he could have come out to greet me. Uh, you, you mean he couldn't come out and like wave his hand? He thought maybe there'd be some real special kind of a wave over his leprosy or whatever. He says, He couldn't show him this guy, Naaman. Uh, well, people would bow to him, people respect He was used to honor and reverence. But he said the prophet could even even come out and greet me. And then he wants me to go dip in the Jordan the River. The guy was suffering from a spirit of disappointment. There could be somebody breathing in the room here this morning and say, Greg, you can preach, sweat, spit till the cows come home. I'll probably never know my miracle because I'm being held hostage by disappointment in my past. It's amazing what disappointment does to us. Maybe you're in the room and say, Greg, it's that situation that, that, that the, the miscarriage is in and, and no children. My wife and I can relate to that. that that's our story. Maybe it's something that never happened. You're past and uh, you're believing for a miracle, and, and, but things haven't happened the way that you thought they would happen. That's why Proverbs thirteen twelve says, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a dream fulfilled is a tree of life. If hope's been deferred in your life, your heart is probably sick this morning. So Greg, I'm in the room, I love God, I love Jesus, but, but there's been some disappointment. Some things haven't happened. I thought for sure what happened. Or maybe some things happened that you never dreamed would ever happen to you. Psalm thirty four eighteen says this, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and he rescues those whose spirits are crushed. Spirits are often crushed when disappointment attacks the heart of a believer. Psalm 119, 116 says this, the Lord, Lord sustain me as you promised that I may live. Do not let my hope be crushed. And so what the devil does, he wants to rob you of hope of a breakthrough by dominating your thoughts and disappointments that you've gone through. Here's what happens. When someone's gone through many disappointments, disappointments if we're not careful can condition us to never receive from God what other people may receive. And what happens, to come a day like today, a breakthrough Sunday, and, and that we can often spiritualize this and, and say, well, you know what? My breakthrough, I need one, but it won't happen because of this, whatever. And we can look back and disappointments get hold us hostage of what God's wanting to do in our lives. There's a lot of good folks in the churches who are stuck in their own dysfunction, They've allowed lack of uh, maybe the victory sin and what maybe you wanted to happen. They're holding you hostage. So now there's a fear of ever praying and asking God to do anything. And the devil's behind the disappointment. I I love Acts chapter 12. The church is under all kind of attack, whatever. And uh, James and John were killed. Peter was gonna be killed, whatever. But the church kept praying for Simon Peter. And God set Peter free from that prison. There's somebody in this house, and God, the devil rather, through disappointments, is assaulting your prayer life. He doesn't want you to ever seek God for another breath. You'll pray for others, but now you step back and said, it can happen for others, but will never happen to me. Well, today, I say in the name of Jesus, breakthrough is coming to you today in the name of Jesus. The Bible teaches about that victory, and that prayer. And Jesus teaches us about prayer in Luke chapter 18, about the persistent widow, about where to never give up. Luke 18, one says this. One day, Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. Don't let disappointment cause you to give up praying. It goes on and says this. There was a judge in a certain city, he said, who neither feared God or cared about people. A widow of that city came repeatedly saying, give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. The enemy, uh, the judge ignored her for a while, but finally he said to himself, I don't fear God or care about people, but this woman is driving me crazy. I'm gonna see that she gets justice because she's wormed me out with her constant requests. Then the Lord said, learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end you don't think God will surely give justice to the chosen people who cry out to Him day and night, or they keep putting them off? I tell you the truth, He'll grant justice to them quickly. But when the Son of Man comes, or returns rather, how many will He find on the earth who have faith? And so the idea is this: this woman's driving a judge crazy. How many get somebody in your life driving you crazy? Don't point to anybody right now. She's driving this judge crazy. And the parable teaches us. He says, look, I don't care about God. He says, I don't care about people. But to get her off my back, I'm gonna simply give her justice to get her off my back. The idea is this, not, not comparison, but contrast, that God isn't like that, church. But as you seek his face and keep on praying and keep on praying and keep on praying and keep on praying and keep on praying, praying, you have every right to believe that your God is a good God and God always answers prayer. But don't you let disappointment rob you of seeking his face and saying, God, it hasn't happened yet but some trust in horses and some in chariots, but I'm gonna keep on trusting in the name of the Lord, my God. The first hindrance that battled Naaman that was gonna keep him back from receiving his breakthrough was a spirit of battling disappointment. She didn't like that the prophet didn't come out. Don't let disappointment rob you another second from pursuing the presence of Christ in your life. Second thing that robbed the Naaman from his miracle or was wanting to rob him was a spirit of pride. Because once the word came out by your messenger, and, uh, which upset him all by itself, the word came, listen, I, I want you to prophesy, listen, you're going to get healed. And uh, you think you'll be happier. But he said, you've got to go dip in the Jordan River. Now he said, And, and that upset Naaman. It, it says in scriptures how he didn't like the, the, the quality of, the Damascus, he, of those waters, and he wanted the Damascus rivers. Maybe they were better. And to him, the Jordan would be humiliating. No, friends, I have been in the Jordan River. I'm telling you, it's dirty. I've been in it. I, we water baptized folks. As a matter of fact, I water baptized my mother in law in the Jordan River. I held her under longer than everybody else I can promise my mother-in-law. I kept her under in the name of Jesus in the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the twelve tribes of Israel, and, and the Jebusites, the High tithes, the Buzzardites, whatever. And I let whatever. I, listen, I've been in the and the the water's filthy. Matter of fact, it was, I remember I went out to water baptize one of our trips to Israel, and uh, we got to keep praying for Israel. Can we say a big amen? And, and for innocent parties on both sides, but may God bless Israel. Let's leave that there. And but uh, I'm in the Jordan River, and this big old catfish. I mean, this thing could. I'm thinking this could be a reenactment of Jonah, but for me, it'd be Jonah, it'd be Greg and the catfish. The thing was like bigger than I was. I'm thinking I, I this and it, it just the water, and so uh, Naaman wasn't happy. He says, why this river? I, I, the, the waters of the Damascus are better. Do you know how many folks in our churches, I, I don't care what you want, like Miracle Sunday, break, some will never get the miracle because they're bound by a spirit of pride. And for Elisha, it wasn't enough. Listen, you're, you're going to get healed. Just, just obey, just obey. It was, I don't like the way God's doing this. I want my miracle, but I never mind the river sea gave me. I, I don't want the Jordan. I simply want to be dipped in the clean, pristine waters of Damascus. And there's numbers of people today who run through the quarters of hell because they refuse, because of pride, to acknowledge the only way to salvation through the cross of Jesus Christ. For name it was I want another river. For many other people salvation. It's I want another name. They say, look at I want. To, I, 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 never mind the cross. That's what the Bible tells us that for those that don't believe the cross is a stumbling block. But to those that do believe, the preaching of the cross is the power of God unto salvation. But there's some folks in Burst County that say, listen, do your deal, do whatever you want. Listen, I, I want another name. I I, I want another. We see it in our own nation. Uh, the the, the upheaval, the anger, to the name of Jesus. Christ, but the Bible tells us there's only one name under heaven whereby men must be saved, and that is the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of Almighty God. But Naaman says, you know what, I want my miracle, but I want it to be in the river of my choosing. There are numbers of great people in our churches who are being hindered in receiving their breakthrough physically, emotionally, spiritually. Because pride has risen up in their hearts, and pride's keeping them back from all that God has. Proverbs eleven two 2 says, how pride leads to disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. I love James 4, 6, how God gives grace generously. Scripture says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. I love Romans 12, 3, because the privilege and authority God's given me. I I give each of you this warning. How about this? How this for advice. Don't think you're better than you really are. How's that for some blunt advice? He's saying, don't think you're better than you actually are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves. Measuring yourselves by the faith that God's given you. And this is an example of somebody that battled pride. In Second Chronicles chapter 32 at 24, says this. About that time, Hezekiah became deathly ill. He prayed to the Lord who healed him and gave him a miraculous sign. But Hezekiah did not respond appropriately to the kindness shown him, and he became proud. So the Lord's anger came against him and against Judah and Jerusalem. Then Hezekiah humbled himself and repented of his pride, as did the people of Jerusalem. So the Lord's anger did not fall on them during Hezekiah's lifetime. What what happens is this: we allow pride to enter our lives. What pride says is, "God, I wanted to do it, but I wanted to do it my way." There could be somebody breathing in the room tonight that says, Greg, this morning, brother, I need a miracle, I need a breakthrough, I need healing, I need salvation. Don't let that pride keep you back. I was talking to somebody, it was a while ago now, this has happened over and over through the years. It's prevalent in in probably every church in America. People that battle in their finances, some in the room need a miracle and breakthrough in their finances. How many know God can give a miracle in your finances? How many many love for God to give you a breakthrough in your finances? I've never met one person who's ever received a true breakthrough in your finances who didn't honor God with the discipline of biblical tithing. I've never met one. I'm not saying God isn't full of mercy and God's full of grace, but God honors his word. And I've had folks, the dangers sometimes, I've heard people see this, look, I've got money, I'm going to give it, but I'm going to tell you where I want to go, and there's a control issue. There's a control issue. Uh, the way that can be that's people that struggle with tithing it, it can be a pride issue that it's my money and i am not just gonna give in some offering bucket but i'll, I'll give the, the it sounds good to this project and that pro, that's wonderful but what the tithe does is is we give to god what already belongs to him we trust him with those finances gonna get a big amen yeah, that's what I expected, but anyhow, listen, that's so, when you give to God and you humble yourself and say, God, I surrender to you, I honor you, well, you watch God get his hand in your finances and work miracles in your lives. I have said for years that my wife and I stopped the discipline of tithing, and I look at tithing as a minimal, the 10%. If we were to stop tithing to our local church, CT, and to our district office because we're credentialed, we'd be off the road in probably three to four months. But one person said, You get involved in God's finances, you watch God get involved in your finances. But pride will often keep people back from allowing God to move in your life. They'll say, Like, and look at. We're gonna get this thing done, but I'm calling the shots around here. That person will struggle to receive anything from God because God opposes the proud. God opposes the proud, but God gives grace to those of a humble spirit. So for for, for Naaman, he was his own biggest nightmare. And the devil, aside, the devil we know, our enemy, a liar, still kill us. But sometimes we are our own worst enemies when it comes receiving our breakthrough. But God doesn't want us to struggle with these things. Can I get a big Amen. He doesn't want us to let disappointments to rob us. He doesn't want pride to rob us of all that God wants to do in our lives. So, what? Great, if I'm battling pride, whatever. Let's humble ourselves under God's money and say, God, I just surrender. God, you, you just you you pick the river. God, you you pick the river. God, I will. I don't care how dirty or muddy. God, you pick the river. I'll do whatever it is you ask of me to do. And once you I begin to obey the Lord and do what he says, you watch God begin to move in your life and give you the breakthrough that you thought you would never, never, ever, ever know. How many want breakthrough in your life today in the name of Jesus? We're almost done, our keyboarders can come. One hindrance is that simply of disappointment. One hindrance is that of a sense of living a life of pride and not humbling yourself before the Lord in battle. And this is what Naaman's life was. This guy was a conqueror, a ruler, a leader, and now he's upset, he's angry, and he goes off into a rage because of disappointment and because of pride. But one last hindrance I'm gonna talk before we pray. One hindrance in the life of many believers is that struggle with being impatient. Pastor Eric mentioned it earlier. God, God's timing is perfect. How many can say God's timing is perfect? He is faithful. There's people in the room today. Say, Greg, I remember that God did this and God did that, and God's so faithful. God's so faithful." Pastor, never early, never late, but always right on time. Right on time. There are testimonies all over this room. that said, Greg, I almost didn't make it, but God came through for me. God brought me through. God was faithful. We just got back from India, India, a little over a week or so ago from Kolkata, India. We spent several days with some girls rescued from trafficking and the stories of God's miraculous just to, of, of being rescued of being rescued I'm looking at these girls we took them shopping one day right before we left for India someone gave us over 9,000 bucks to take the girls shopping guys I went shopping at a mall with 50 girls for about 8 hours it was I felt like I was swimming in the, it was like a work of the devil it really was it it was the day that never ended. Just kidding, you. It's a day I'll never forget. i watched these little girls, teenagers, run around the store. Run around the store. The, the workers came out. I got pictures. I'm Not going to show them. But you know, what? Who are these girls? What are they doing? What's a, I, I, We told them who these girls were. How they were rescued from the slum to Kolkata. If they weren't here, they'd be. And many of them have already been raped. When you, when you were. I see some young ears, so I'm not going to go there. But they've lived terrible lives, difficult lives, difficult lives. Little girls have gone through things you wouldn't believe. You wouldn't believe. They had doctor's with us from GT. One of the, one of the chief gynecologists, major surgeons, she was giving the girls exams, and she wept and she sobbed back at her team meeting one night when she saw the girls, how they were just torn apart physically now I watch them with Robin giggling running around his store trying on clothes and running around for hours and hours and hours. When the workers found found out who these girls were, they they treated the girls like princesses. The princesses that they are. The joy, the laughter, the giggles, the fun, and, and their stories, their stories were a God that gave them breakthrough. A God that these talk about having a right to, to be disappointed with things and, and but but they're they're in this place where where God rescued them at just the right time. You say, Greg, I'm in the room, Greg, I'm not in Calcutta. Not. Maybe you're in the room and you're thinking, God, where in the world are you? Well, you say, Greg, where's impatience in the story? Can you imagine? This guy, Damon, is a ruler, a king. He's a—he's a, not a king, but he's a, 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 a commander of the army of Syria. He's used to snap with his fingers, and people get up and jump. People say, how high you want me to? This guy was used to authority and power. And now someone come, sends a message. Probably took a crayon. Elisha probably took a crayon and wrote it in the back of a napkin, go dip in the Jordan, and dip seven times. What? I've got leprosy. How about one dip? How about one dip? I've never been the most patient person. Robin's taught me a lot. Because when I first met Robin, and we're in Maine, her parents, now they're up in years, whatever. I remember went to a a, a restaurant to eat. I was like, Cold Farms, a restaurant up in Maine. And I just met Robin. I was up to visit, getting to her family, whatever. In case you're, are you taping this service? I don't know if you, where's the camera, right? Is the camera, where is it? Audio. My my mother-in-law is a wonderful woman. Okay, I'm back, okay. Well, we go to the restaurant, and you, sometimes a lot of people, you ask, how long is the wait? And, so, and that determines whether or not I stay at the restaurant. Okay, how good the food is. And we're call coal firms. There's a lot of people. So we go up, whatever. And a, 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 yes, a table for, there's four of us. How long is it wait? Well, we, maybe 60 to 90 minutes. For me, that's like, have a good day. Have a good day. I'm, I'm heading to McDonald's right through. Have a good day. And uh, my, my final law says, I just as soon wait. Manala says, I'll wait. Robin says, I'll wait. I'm thinking. I don't want to wait. Patience never been my forte. And I know it wasn't for, for Naaman. This guy wanted a miracle, but he wanted it now. But why seven dips? Why? Listen, maybe you're in the room today and say, so Greg, like, I'm here and, and I'm struggling with being impatient. And your impatience has brought about a bad spirit in you. An angry spirit, a resentful spirit, a, a frustrated spirit. It's affected your worship, affected your service, affected your your faithfulness, affected your your giving, affected your, uh, your the, the being steadfast and consistent. Maybe you're in the room and say, "Greg, look at preach sweat spit," but look at I've been praying for a, a, lot, a lot of years. It hasn't happened. yet. Read Hebrews eleven and twelve. A people in the hall of faith. Many of them believe before their answers were ever ever coming to pass. Faith, my friend, is trusting God even when you can't figure out all the details. One example of how important patience and patience is is in Exodus 32 when when Moses was on the top of Mount Sinai and God was speaking to Moses. But down below, the people were getting impatient and angry with Moses. And they said to Aaron in, in Exodus 32, they said, come make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't even know what has happened to him. And since in their impatience, Aaron gave in and they began to make the golden calf. You remember when Moses came down from the Mount Sinai and saw what was happening, how God was angry and 3,000 were struck down dead. Thank God, God's the, God showed some mercy, but, but lives were lost because people became impatient. Who is it in this room? And you are on the brink of a miracle. The devil's assaulting you with an anger. Why hasn't it happened yet? If God says dip six times, dip six. But if God says dip seven times, you dip seven and obey the word of Almighty God and trust Him and trust Him and trust Him and trust him. him. So the Bible tells us: disappointed, prideful. Impatient, it says he stalked off. Naaman walked away in a rage, but God sent voices to speak to him maybe his officers, maybe some leading men under his command and said, Boss, don't do this. Boss, if they said something difficult for you, something grandiose, wouldn't you have done it if you would? Jordan water and wash yourself seven times over. And for whatever reason in that moment God gave Naaman a breakthrough. He jumped in those dirty waters dipped seven times and the Bible tells us his skin became as white it came as clear and smooth as that on a young person. God gave Naaman his breakthrough. God wants to give you your breakthrough. I challenge you in the name of Jesus Christ, even in spite of ourselves, we serve a merciful God today. Aren't you glad he's patient? Remember the song I wrote years ago, he's a good, good father. I wrote that song many years ago. But aren't you glad God, how many are glad God is a good, good father? the God that whispered to Juanita to move. That's the same God who's in this room right now. I challenge you in the strong, mighty name of Jesus, let go of disappointments. Let go of pride. And let go of impatience. And entrust yourself to the one who never fails because he is the God of the breakthrough.